the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. Today we should talk about Disney a little bit. Glenn Beck is a huge Disney fan. In case you did not know or you just got here on the spaceship that brought James Carville back from wherever he's been for the last year or so. But in case you didn't know, Glenn Beck, gigantic Walt Disney fan. And what's not to love about Walt Disney, the entrepreneur, because Glenn, Glenn has learned a lot of things from Mr. Disney and, and Walt's early days. But years ago, years ago, I picked up a book called Behind the Ears. And Behind the Ears is a, it's a fascinating turn on the, on the Disney empire. And if you haven't seen Behind the Ears on the bookshelf, it, it might not show up in your, in your library. But if you, if you seek it out, if you're a person who wants to know about the early days of something, uh, Behind the Ears is not exactly a tell-all about uh, the early days of Disneyland, but it is, um, it's a little bit of that. It's by a guy named David Koenig. K-O-E-N-I-G. And I'm sure there's a million different pronunciations of it. I bring this up today, the book Mouse Tales, a behind-the-ears look at Disneyland. I bring it up today because today's the anniversary in 1955 of the opening of Disneyland. And in the book Mouse Tales, you will find some really interesting stuff about that opening day. And it's something in there, as we love history on this show, history teaches us important lessons. There's something that happened on that day that I think is so amazing, so astounding that you should learn from it. Walt Disney was setting up this, um, this theme park, this gigantic park that he was opening in California. And it was going to be the happiest place on earth, right? And they had, they had set the date, and as with many different things, construction falls off in one area, picks up in another. They had a bunch of things they had to get done, but they were trying to get everything ready. The word was out. The date was set. The invitations had, had been sent. It was going to be treated like one of the great media events of all time. In fact... Walt Disney wanted the Disneyland opening, the grand opening, which was really meant for most of the cognoscenti in Hollywood and showbiz to show up so they can get the beautiful people there. And so he, he said, we're going to do a live broadcast, a televised grand opening, a three-hour TV show. Now, think of somebody doing a three-hour TV show for the opening of a theme park today. It wouldn't happen. It would, it would be a half an hour, maybe an hour, and maybe there was an award ceremony going on inside. But no, this was a three-hour because Disney was expecting a parade of celebrities to come by, and they were all going to be stopping by and interviewed by his host, the late Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter was the guy behind a television show that probably most of us remember. Kids say the darndest things. He also was a brilliant businessman. 
Disney came to Art Linkletter in 1955 and said, look, I'm opening my theme park. I want you to host the opening, but I don't have any money. We're, we're barely making it. You know, we, we're scrimping and saving wherever we can. We don't have a lot of money. I can pay you 500 bucks. And he said, I know that's, that's nothing. That would be union scale, SAG scale, Screen Actors Guild scale for a three-hour live TV show. Nothing along the lines of what Art Linkletter would normally command to do this. Probably a zero or two missing from what he would normally want. So Art Linkletter said, let me think about it. Looked at the, the overall opportunity. And he came up with a brilliant idea. He said to Walt Disney, I'll do the job for 500 bucks, but I want, I want the film concession for Disneyland in perpetuity. Now, just think about that. I know what you're saying, but we don't use film anymore. No, we don't. But the, the digital photography uh, turn, the shift in that paradigm in photography was decades away, was 50 years in the offing. Think about it. People would buy, people would come to the happiest place on earth, see the Magic Kingdom, have to take pictures of the little ones in front of Cinderella's castle, in front of Tomorrowland, in front of the, uh, everything that was there. It was a brilliant move. And to this day, it is often referred to as the highest paying job hosting a television show in the history of show business. It made Art Linkletter multiple millions of dollars. And so every time I come across a business deal, and every time somebody says to me, well, you know, we're a startup. We don't have a lot going on here. You always have to look and say, okay, I respect the fact that they want my talent and I understand that there are issues in terms of economics that can't be, can't be solved here, but is there something else we can do? Art Linkletter hosted the opening of Disneyland on this date in 1955 in Anaheim, California. And he got paid $500 for the three hours work he did hosting that live show. By the way, Linkletter also brought with him another young Hollywood star who got the $500 payment as well, but I don't think he got the same deal Linkletter got. A young guy named Ronald Reagan was also a co-host that day. But Linkletter's thinking and taking a moment to say, what else can we do here? ended up giving him a fantastic reward going forward. And everybody won. Disney won. Linkletter won. And even Ronald Reagan won. There are stories, there are legendary stories about the opening of Disneyland that day. There were, there were problems getting everything ready. They had to choose whether or not they were going to get the concession stands built or they were going to get the water fountains built, or they were going to get the bathrooms built. Disney chose to make sure they had the bathrooms up and running and the plumbing there and said, let's skip the water fountains because people will be able to buy a cold drink. 
And there are some who suspected Disney, and, and incorrectly, suspected Disney intentionally held the uh, water fountains from being installed so, so he could make sure to sell cold drinks. No, that wasn't the reality. That's been, I think that story's been shot down a few times. But the other thing that happened, <laughs> and this is why uh, holograms are so important today, they printed up a number of invitations to get celebrities there, and they had them delivered to every major studio and major agency and to all the big names in show business and their staffs to say, bring your kids. And there was no way to prevent those invitations from being duplicated, and there was no watermarking on them. So guess what happened? The opening of Disneyland was overrun with about five times as many people as invitations. But in the end, it was, it was a win because the park looked like it was the happiest place on earth with the biggest crowd on earth. 1955, Anaheim, California. If you want to read more about Disney, some interesting things. I thought it was going to be kind of a nasty tell-all book. And it isn't uh, David Koning or Koenig. Uh, the book is Mouse Tales, a behind-the-ears look at Disneyland. It's fascinating. It's out on Kindle. You can probably, if you're smart and you go to the Amazon.com and you click off the one that says Help Mercury One, which I do, uh, there are there are 92 used copies of this book for a dollar. So you can get a copy of it. You can pay full price for a copy. Or you can get a used copy for a dollar. I think the story's still the same in the used copies, unless somebody went in and changed it. Uh, that's a little bit of history on today. And I think it's important because the lesson I learned is always look at the deal from the other side. Not necessarily from the person who's offering it to you, but from the side looking in at both sides to see if maybe there isn't something else that can benefit you. In the end, Art Linkletter, one of the biggest winners at the opening of Disneyland, and he just had to work three hours that one day. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand, 24-7.